The more I work in the tech industry, the more important I realize that time series databases are. I actually realized this a little bit back in my hedge fund days, but I really increasingly see that as much as we do analytics and telemetry in our apps. There was a Cambrian explosion of time series databases in 2014, and Timescale was one of the winners. Originally created Timescale really from our own need. Around that time, 20, 2014, 2015, my co-founder and I, uh, Jay Kulkarni, who we go back many years, we kind of re-synced up and we, we started thinking about it. it was kind of a good time for both of us to think about what the next challenges are that we want to tackle. And it seemed to us that there was this emerging trend of, you know, people talk about the digitization or digital transformation. And I, I it feels like a, a somewhat of analyst term, but I think it's it's really responsive of what's happening in that if you think about the large, big uh, IT revolution, it was about changing the back office. You know, what was used to be on paper was now in computers. And what we saw was somewhat the same thing happened to basically every industry, from heavy industry to shipping to logistics to manufacturing, both discrete and continuous, and home IoT. And, and so sometimes this gets blurred under IoT, but we kind of also think about it more broadly as operational technology, those which are you know, not necessarily bits, but atoms. And a big part of that was actually collecting data of what those systems were doing. So it was about sensors and data and, and, and whatnot. And so when we initially looked at this problem, we were thinking about a type of data platform we would want to build to make it easy to collect and store and analyze that type of data. I think that's a way that we're slightly different or, or why our what we ultimately built as our database ended up being fairly different than a lot of other so-called time series databases. But that's because many of them kind of arose out of IT monitoring, where they were trying to you know, collect metrics from servers, where we were originally thinking about collecting data more broadly from all these type of applications uh, and devices around your world. So when we started building it, it was originally focusing mostly on IoT. And we kind of quickly ran into this problem that the existing databases out there and the time series databases out there were not really designed for our problems. They were often much more limited because they were focusing on this narrow kind of infrastructure monitoring problem where the data maybe wasn't as important. It was only of a very specific type. It, let's say they stored only floats. They didn't have to have extra metadata that they wanted to enrich their data to better understand what was going on, like through joins. And, you know, after basically working on this platform for about a year, we somewhat came to the conclusion that we actually need to build somewhat of our own time series database that was focusing on this more broad type of problem. And so that's what we do. And that's, that's what kind of led the development of uh, what became Timescale. Today, what are the most common applications of a time series database? Well, I could speak mostly about, you know, obviously TimescaleDB rather than, you know, as I, as I was alluding to before, a lot of, of the other time series databases are, are much more narrowly focused on IT monitoring or observability. And, you know, we really see our use cases across the field. We, we certainly see cases of observability. And in fact, we um, have subsequently built actually a, a separate product on top of TimeScale called PromScale that is really used for initially Prometheus metrics, but more broadly to make it easier to store observability data with TimeScaleDB. But we see still a lot of IoT. 
We see a lot of logistics. We see financial data and crypto data. Uh, we see, you know, event sourcing. We see product and, and user analytics. You know, we see people collecting data about uh, how users are using their SaaS platforms. We see gaming analytics where people are, where, where companies are collecting information uh, about how, you know, people's virtual avatars are actually playing within the games. We see music analytics. You know, I like to think of the old way you used to find the pop star as you went down to the smoky club and now you collect uh, SoundCloud and Spotify streams and you use that to identify who the next breakout artist is going to be. And so all of these are example of time series data. And it's really kind of what's so exciting to us is it's, it's such a broad use case, it's so horizontal, because basically it's all about collecting data at the finest granularity you can. Tell me about the initial architecture for Timescale DB. So you're you're based off of Postgres. What was the reasoning around that decision? So I think, as you point out, we're Timescale is is actually implemented as an extension on Postgres. So starting maybe ten or fifteen years ago, Postgres started exposing uh, kind of low level hooks throughout its code base. Uh, and so this is not like a, a plugin where you're running a little JavaScript code. And this is, you know, we get we have function pointers into we get you know function hooks into the C. Postgres is written in C, and so TimescaleDB is uh, for the most part written in C. Uh, and so we have hooks throughout the code base um, at the planner, at various sometimes in the storage, at the execution nodes. And so we are able to kind of insert ourselves and do a lot of optimizations as part of the same. Uh, process. And so you could ask the question of why not just implement a new database from scratch? Why build it on top of Postgres? And I think this really gets to that we always viewed ourselves as, and, and we hear this from our users and community all the time, that we are, they are storing critical data inside TimescaleDB and they need it to A, work and be reliable. And they also need it to be they have a lot of use case requirements. It's not this, again, narrow thing where you're collecting one metrics and all you're asking to do is you know, figure out the min-max average of a, of a certain metric. You want to do fancy analysis. You want to do joins. You want to do subqueries. You want to do correlations. You want to have views. You want the operational uh, maturity of a database. You want transactions, backup and restore, and all of the uh, replication and, and all of the above. And so, you know, it, some people say it takes maybe 10 years at least to build a reliable database. And, you know, we thought this was a great way in order to, you know, immediately gain that level of reliability. We ourselves are huge fans of Postgres. Uh, you know, it, it has such a, a great community and it also has such a large ecosystem. And so the idea is that effectively, that entire ecosystem would work from us on day one. That means all of the tooling, all of the ORMs, all of your libraries would just work. And if you, we support full SQL, not SQL-ish. So if you know how to use SQL, you could start using, and if your tools speak SQL, if you're running Tableau, if you're running Power BI, if you're running Grafana, if you're running Superset, those all just start working on day one. Now, the second part of it is, well, what does that mean to build a time series database on top of Postgres? 
you know, which clearly was designed more as a traditional transactional database, OLTP engine. And sometimes they talk about you think about this architecturally. And what I mean by that is you somewhat think about what your workloads look like and what that would mean from a software architecture. And maybe I'll give you a very concrete example. So starting maybe 10 or 15 years ago, if you look at traditional databases, you started seeing the growth of what people commonly now called as log-structured merge trees, LSMs. And this was a data structure that you know goes back to the mid-90s, but I think you first saw it, you know, Google, Jeff Dean, and Sanjay Gimawat build something called LevelDB. And you know, the, the whole idea of an LSM tree was if you look at a workload that has a lot of updates, so with a lot of e-commerce applications, with a lot of social networks, you're constantly updating things. And traditional database, if you think about a disk, if you're doing a lot of in-place updates and these updates are randomly distributed across all of your user IDs, this means that you're going to cause your disk to do a lot of you know, random writes. On hard drives, that's particularly bad. You need to move the disk. Even on SSDs, it doesn't do great because SSDs still do a lot better to have sequential writes than random writes, the way the internal the internals of SSDs work. And so you started seeing this new type of database architecture called LSM trees emerge because people wanted to build databases that had a lot faster updates. And so on time, time series databases, on the other hand, don't typically have this type of workloads. So if you think of a stream of, of, of new observations with a, the timestamp, uh, these are typically about what's happening now. So it's typically about a stream of, up, of, of inserts that are about you know this stock price now, this stock price now, this stock price now, or different, or you know, a hundred or thousand or hundred thousand different sensors, all about what they're recording right right now. And so, if you think about how you would then design the internals of your database and the data structures when most of your writes are insert heavy and particularly about the latest time interval, then what that would mean is the somewhat internal structure of your data should reflect that. So you should optimize your insert path to make it super efficient to perform inserts on the latest time interval. It doesn't have to be perfectly in order, but it mostly is about what's happening recently as opposed to what's happening a year ago. That said, timescale absolutely allows you to backfill data and perform updates or deletes to older data it's just from a performance perspective, keeps all the recent stuff in memory and builds more efficient data structure to allow you to insert at, at much higher rates. So for example, uh, on a single machine, if you're collecting a stream of, of, of records, each with several, let's say 10 metrics, you'll be able to collect even one to two million metrics per second on a single, you know, pretty standard uh, machine. And so we see this kind of again and again, the way we think about architecting timescale is is really thinking about what the workload looks like, that people often care about recent data and the way they want to manage their data changes as that data ages. They might want to optimize for even fast queries for the recent stuff. Uh, they might want to start reorganizing their data as it ages. They might want to start automated, automatically aggregating the data as it ages. 
and dropping the raw data for the very old stuff to save save space. So all of these things are what you'd want in a good time series database when it's not what you want from either a traditional OLTP database, nor if you have a data, a data a traditional data warehouse or an analytical database, which doesn't think of this kind of operational view of time series so central to it. 